I have got more adept, and I think we all have, at trying to learn some, can you point to here if your elbow's sore and whereabouts, and doing a little bit of trying to use the camera to help us. But in the end, nothing beats actually doing a full physical examination, and there's times when you just have to do that. Hi, I'm Rocky Rapoto, a lawyer at Avant. You just heard from Dr. Penny Brown, Avant's Chief Medical Officer. We have been getting lots of questions from you, our members, about many of the issues surrounding telehealth, and so welcome you to this podcast series where we try to respond to some of those issues. For discussion today, how to manage the need for a physical examination. In the next little while, you're going to meet John North, an orthopaedic surgeon, Amandeep Hansra, a GP, both who have had considerable experience with telehealth prior to COVID, and Bridget Clancy, an ear, nose and throat and head and neck surgeon from country Victoria. We are all very aware of the importance of a physical examination, but in the virtual environment, this is simply not possible. So we asked our panel, what advice do they have for other doctors to manage the lack of physical examination? I think just having a little bit of visual, though I can't replicate exactly what I get in person, I can certainly do a bit of an eyeball and say, they look really sick, you know, or they're, you know, engaging with me, they look energetic, they've, um, you know, speech is normal, you know, like you can, you can make comments around the physical sort of um, cues that you get. Surprisingly, our panel did discuss some of the benefits for patient assessment when it is over a video consultation. You can actually tell a lot from the environment that they're in, which you wouldn't normally pick up in a, in a general practice setting. If a patient's come to visit you, you have no idea how they're living. Looking at the place and seeing how unkempt you know, it might be and worrying about my patient's ability you know, for their social functioning or being able to look at even hazards, you know, seeing how somebody who's a bit more elderly or with some form of disability and how they're living. So by seeing the patient in their own environment, additional assessments can be made. Amandeep went on to make another good point about functional assessment when seeing a patient in their own home. Um, and you can also do functional assessments, which is something that I don't know that a lot of people have, you know, sort of branched out into doing. But you can say to your patient, they say, look, I, I really can't mobilize I've got such bad back pain and you'll say okay well let's just watch you walk up a couple of stairs and they can take if they're on an iPad or a phone they can take it with them and you can actually watch them try and you know go up a couple of stairs or you know open a jar of jam you know if you're worried about their arthritis in their hands I mean so there's there's things that you can do from the very fact that they're in their own home environment um, on video and I think that's probably something that we will over time we get more comfortable with it start to realize the benefits of having um, of being able to do telehealth into people's homes. I asked the same question of Bridget some specialties more than others this can be an issue Otolaryngology is about as hard to say as it is to conduct a physical examination virtually because the examination usually requires some form of instrument, as Bridget explains. It's really difficult, Rocky. So to adequately examine someone in my specialty, we'd use a device called an otoscope um, or an endoscope to look into the ear. Um, we might need to remove something so that we can get a proper view, for example, removing wax or a foreign body. To look in the nose, we'd need to use a headlight and um, an instrument and then an endoscope. And similarly, to look in the mouth and throat. Um, to feel for lumps in the neck or examine for scars, it, it's so um, instrument and um, examination intensive. So telehealth for ENT um, cannot ever be a total solution. It can only ever supplement 
the face-to-face work that we do. It does seem like this is a growing area and over time more and more of this work will be done remotely. There are some devices available so that an ENT surgeon can be remote from a patient and have another practitioner perform the examination. So there's video otoscopes and things like that, but they rely on a really skilled healthcare worker to be with the patient to be able to administer those examination tools and particularly to be able to remove things that are in the way of that examination. And I think that can work really well for things like the ear health program, particularly in um, northern parts of Australia. But again, that relies on really skilled um, ear health workers or Aboriginal health workers or nurses and audiologists to acquire those examination images. So perhaps in the future, it would be more possible, but telehealth needs to complement rather than replace um, our traditional practice methods. John's experience with physical examinations was quite different. He practices as an orthopaedic surgeon in Brisbane, but regularly consults at a fracture clinic in Mount Isa. He works this by having a colleague, often an ED physician, to conduct the physical examination, as he describes. I've got to simply rely on my resident at Mount Isa to, uh, to do the clinical examination. I can watch, but I can't actually touch the patient. So that's a small deficit in this whole telehealth process. Part of the assessment process, when done virtually, is about being adaptable. John gives an example of this. Kids come on board pretty well. We have some little tricks for kids. You know, show me, uh, give me a high five. So we'll get ways of pulling them into the clinical examination that we probably hadn't used in the past. And in John's practice in Mount Isa, he has a review structure in place for him to follow up. Much of this John can manage virtually. There's a tremendous power in review. I don't think uh, we as medicos have realised how important review can be for two points of view. One, I can see how the patient's looking. I can see what a, perhaps a wound is looking like or what a fracture is looking like or what the plaster is looking like or how swollen the fingers or toes are. I mean, I can, I can usually get a rough idea of how things are working. You know, thumbs up means the radial nerve's working. Are your fingers make a fist? Straighten out. There are, there are simple little things that we can ask the patient to do that give us a good idea of whether things are moving. And, uh, you know, if they can't move their toes and they're very swollen, then I'm thinking this is a compartment syndrome and I need to do something fairly urgently about it or get one of my colleagues there to do something about it. So in John's example, he does have colleagues at the Mount Isa end that he can rely on when the telehealth experience is not sufficient. In Penny's experience as a GP, Her patients are triaged by the front desk, so that ideally, those needing a physical examination are seen face to face. Sometimes we can screen it out. Sometimes the screening doesn't work, like the patient that was booked in with me for a follow-up of a recall from breast screen because they had a symptom. I'm going, I can't do that over there. I can talk about the symptom, but I can't work out what's going on without examining you. So we just rescheduled that. That was an error of our triage, Um, but often, You don't know what's going on until you're into the consultation and it may evolve. So telehealth, when there is a need for a physical examination, cannot facilitate the entire service, but there is information you can glean from a virtual appointment that can assist you in your diagnosis. I think we all realise that telehealth is never going to be a total solution and so knowing when you need to recommend a patient is seen in person is critical. I hope this short podcast has been helpful. We have several in the series and also many other telehealth resources on Avance Telehealth landing page. Please share this episode with a colleague you think may benefit from hearing from fellow members. 
Next time, we'll be discussing a topic that requires a lot of sensitivity normally, let alone doing it over telehealth, how to break bad news to patients. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.